Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never, ever about food or weight. Never, ever. Not even. One time. Not ever. Ever, ever. Hello, this is Lorelei Rourke from It's Not About Food podcast. And today we're talking about one of my favorite cards, which is the card of compassion. The idea of compassion and what that is and how do we get some for ourselves and for others. The image on the card, the front of the card, is the goddess is sort of got her hand on her heart and her other hand on her deer. And she is just feeling the compassion for herself and for this little being. And the whole card is a very accepting, loving, compassionate image. And what it says in the back is compassion is a necessary foundation for all healing. When we can have compassion for the parts of ourselves that we dislike the most, we can let go of the debilitating shame and self-hatred we have carried for so long and use our compassion to bring love, understanding, and then, if necessary, change. So for me, this card really is a, a card about going deep within ourselves to find that compassion for ourselves and whatever it is that we struggle with. And that was a huge part of my recovery is that at some point I had to, with my eating disorder recovery and with my alcoholism recovery and with my money recovery and with my relationship recovery, so I had to go deep within myself to find compassion in order to deal with it. It was extremely hard for me to look at any of these things right in their face without having compassion. It was too painful. It hurt. It hurt to look at what I was doing with food and what I was doing with alcohol or what I was doing in relationships. I just didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to deal with the pain or the shame or the self-hatred. And uh, once I was able to to have compassion that I did have to deal with it, I did have it, and I needed to heal it, and then how could I heal it? Once I was able to do that with compassion and love and respect and honor, it was still hard, but I was able to go through it. So I have a wonderful person here to talk to about compassion today. Her name is Constance, and I'm going to turn it over to her so that she can tell you what she's up to and what does she do and how does she use compassion for herself and for her work. So I'm Constance Hart, and actually that's a good thing to share that my original last name was Hartunian with... 11 letters and two silent O's. And at one point in life, I just decided this needs to be shortened. And I shortened it to heart and constant heart. And everyone says, oh, you have a constant heart. And well, like compassion, it's a practice. It's 
a muscle that I think is worthy of lots of exercising, and that's what I've been up to my whole life. Um, my trade, I'm a professional color therapist. I work with color energy. I train other practitioners and therapists of all sorts, counselors, social workers, to utilize color in their practice as an ally to tapping into emotional wellness. When I work with color, I think of each color as an emotion. And so they really do help us to tune into the truth of our emotions. And, and I have a private practice and have for 26 years. Oh, conscious colors is the name of the modality I created. So that's consciouscolors.com. And I also created and developed Color Aroma, which is a deeper way of experiencing color through our most powerful sense, which actually is not our sense of sight, how we normally play with color, but our sense of smell. So I created a color aromatherapy practice that goes hand in hand with the Conscious Colors modality. Well, first off, Orly's beautiful deck, uh, card deck, is just I love every single image. I love every single word. It was hard to choose one. <laughs> but choosing compassion, I feel like that image of the hand on the, with the deer, in the last few days, knowing that we were going to be meeting today, I have to say on all of my walks, every morning I've come in contact with a little buck or a little doe. Oh, my gosh. It, it, I had forgotten, actually, until I pulled the card. I have the card out, actually, on my altar. But as I brought it in front of me for our chat, I had forgotten that the deer was on it. So I just, I really pay attention to animal medicine and when animals show up. And the deer, the animal medicine of deer is gentleness. And when I tune into the energy of compassion, that's immediately what comes up is how gentle can I be with myself and I utilize the color ray pink in combination with that pink is this energy of gentleness kindness loving kindness it really is the softest ray in the color spectrum so anyway I just I wanted to share that right off the bat I have the card I have the image of the deer I have the animal medicine of gentleness, and I have this beautiful pink rose quartz all sitting in front of me. And that to me is the embodiment of that frequency of compassion. That is so beautiful. You did send me a couple of samples of your color aromatherapy and just what a wonderful gift that was. And you have those little jewels sitting right on the top of them. And I just loved it very, very much. So how did you come to your work? How did you come to go in this direction of color, first of all, using that color as a healer and then putting them together with the aromatherapy? Yeah, well, I think it goes back to the fact that my father is an artist and taught art for 35 plus years. And we grew up in a very... Uh, color-induced uh, life. All of our projects at home had to do with, we're going to do this painting together, or we're going to work on this hook rug. And I had a rainbow patchwork, rainbow 
carpet growing up and a bright red wall, which my parents didn't really know the effect of what, <laughs> what that effect would have on me. But now looking back, I certainly know. But so that was my introduction definitely into color. And then I grew up in the Midwest and I live in California now and have since 1990. And one of the things that I have helped clients with over the years and, and helping other therapists help their patients and clients with is sad seasonal affective disorder. And yes. I certainly went through that living in the Midwest where, you know, your surrounding is void of light and it has kind of a depressive influence on you. So at that time, I distinctly remember the winter before I moved to California and got out, got out of <laughs> the snow and the cold that I had got led to a quartz crystal and I would just hold it up into the light and I would notice all those rainbow rays showing up. And of course, you know, I learned about the prism and the effect, the visible light spectrum. When you shine light on a prism, you're going to receive the seven rainbow rays. I, I learned about that in school at some point, but to actually have that physical experience, I was so intrigued by it. So Basically, when I moved to California, I think my life just led me to you know, being introduced kind of in a sequence to all the pieces of the puzzle that would eventually lead me to study color therapy at great length and then develop a standalone color therapy modality. And where the aromatherapy came in was kind of what I said before, just learning that our sense of smell actually is what is responsible whether we know it or not for the most long-lasting memories that we have there's a scent that's present in the background with all of our most long-lasting memories so to me it was like well if i could create the scent of yellow and have people experience yellow just by inhaling and smelling yellow what would that smell like so i did that with 13 colors each of them is connected to an emotion so that you're breathing in that emotion. It's in the form of an affirmation and it's actually being lodged in the brain because of the way our olfactory system works. It bypasses the thinking and analyzing linear side of the brain and it impacts through our limbic system, the part of the brain that just immediately feels and remembers. So as you're inhaling that sense, you're actually taking in a memory. Well, I'll use pink as an example. I am loving. So as you're inhaling the pink, your brain is registering I am loving. And then as you go out and about during your day or even two weeks later, anytime you see pink, your brain is connecting you with I am loving and that feeling again. So it really is this process of building, on, building an emotion and building a positive emotion. So I mentioned pink before and really with compassion, I know that... <laughs> It's funny, I've been working with color therapy for, you know, like I said, over 25 years. And it was only just maybe a few, five years ago where somebody said, you know, pink is your favorite color, I think. And I never really said I have a favorite, but I realized as I look in my closet, you know what, I really, I do a lot of pink. And so I <laughs> teach people that your color attractions are teaching you where you want to be, but also not only where you are, but where you want to be. And I think if I'm really honest and I'm happy to be, 
I think that attraction to pink is because I've had to practice and learn how to be gentle and compassionate with myself and certainly with my eating disorder recovery, as you call it. Yes, my journey through all sorts of shenanigans as a youngster and through the decades that that pink rate and has really been teaching me to how to be more softer and kinder and gentle with myself. Storygram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm... When you're whining with nurses. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. Rich flavor is one of your favorites. You'll want to join me on the wine road. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed. Welcome to Swirl, the wine show for people who know. Storygram Network. You're reminding me of a really old, old tape. As a matter of fact, we don't use tapes anymore, but I have a very, very old tape of a bunch of visualizations that were made in the 80s, I think. And one of the things is a visualization about your heart's hopes and desires, and that you put this out in the world of what your heart wants. And in the visualization, she said, surround that image with pink, with a pink cloud, because pink is the color of the heart. I just have always remembered that little saying. It's sort of like if you think of pink, it sort of is a sweetheart color. It's a very sweet color. So how did you use compassion for your own uncovery or recovery or whatever, however way we want to say it? I think the thing that has really helped me the most and continues to help me is to just give myself a gentle hug and talk to myself the way I envision that pink ray talking to me. You know, when I see pink, I just feel that cuddle, that so gentle, talking about pale pink, so soft and kind. And so giving myself that gentle hug and just saying, I understand. It, it's okay. It makes sense that you did this or, you know, that this behavior came through. You were just trying, you were doing the best you can. And, and actually, not always in past, present time talk, you're doing the best you can. I use this all the time with myself. Like, especially coronavirus times, look at what we've been in these last months. And I know for myself, I kind of had a microcosm of my earlier years. Immediately in this unique time, I think the first place that I went to, I realized was, okay, I started over-exercising and I started cutting back on what I was eating. And I realized, oh, that's what I was up to in my younger years, trying to find control um, by doing those two things. And then just applying that self-compassion, self-soothing. Well, that's okay. It makes sense. This is a unique time. And I shared with Laura Lee before that the most potent 
personal passage in my life recently was the passing of my husband very unexpectedly at his ripe age of 54, a healthy, wonderful man. And so I've realized that, okay, these uh, more traumatic or grief-filled experiences will be triggers for that, those eating disorder behaviors that I have recovered from. I don't do these things on a daily basis. Actually, I'm not up to the same shenanigans, I like to use that word, (laughs) that I was when I was younger. But through that, anything that stimulates a little fear, I realize, will be a trigger for some of these behaviors. So after the first month of, okay, I'm I'm just going to get out and exercise and be very active. I got in the best shape I've been in in the last 10 years and ate super healthy and then went to an overeating phase in the last eight months. And really, I think we all have opportunities to see our growth in recovery, in the process of recovery. And so it just has been a wonderful window into seeing that practice, how much it helps me when I just hug myself and pat my back, really stroke my skin and visualize the pink ray and play with that. It's okay. It totally makes sense that you'd be overeating right now. No kidding. I've helped a lot of my clients with that in the last few months, especially, and then through all the various disruptions in our society that have happened. I think it's important to, well, it's useful to teach the self that skill. It really is a skill of self-soothing and compassion. It very much is. And what a beautiful way that you describe that of, it makes sense that you're trying to take care of yourself with food or with fill in the blank. Because of course we try to take care of ourselves with a lot of different things until we can feel and go through the grief and then let it go. And it's a process. It's not linear, goes all over the place as feelings do. So what a beautiful way to not only work with yourself, but then that you have that gift to give others too. Thank you. And yeah, I think you, you just said the key point which maybe I skipped over, is allowing yourself to have the full emotion first. And it's not like we're just doing a surgery here. We're, we're <laughs> really having that full emotion, which sometimes brings you to your knees. Sometimes Absolutely. The power, the power of emotion is so wonderful, though. Yeah. The only way that we don't have it is if we become narcissists or very ill with psychotic behaviors, you know, then yeah, sometimes you don't have regular feelings. And I always think it's a good measure. If I can feel deeply, it may hurt or I don't like it or it's uncomfortable, but it means I'm healthy. And so, okay, good. I don't want my leg to become numb so that it can be healthy. And I don't want my emotions. I don't want myself to become numb to things now that I know that I can handle my feelings and I can have compassion that I have to handle them and I do handle them. So if you were able to go back to yourself as a little girl, however way you got through your childhood, if you were able to tell her 
what you know now about your life and how you can navigate through, what would you want to tell her? Let's say, Constance, you are wonderfully unique just as you are. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's okay to be different. It's more than okay to be different. We are all unique. And this is your gift. And I go there first, certainly in my own self-knowledge and awareness in knowing that that is really what set off the disordered behavior and body dysmorphia. I had years uh, with anorexic tendencies and behaviors and then did some time practicing bulimia and through all that I know that the foundation of those expressions was because I just couldn't handle my differentness that feeling of being different not fitting in I know exactly what you're talking about when I go into schools and talk about eating disorders and body hatred I say how many of you have heard this this sentence from maybe your girlfriend or your mom or your sister or even your dad, I feel so fat. And what does that mean? And then, you know, they'll say, well, I've ate too much or whatever. But And then we go underneath that. What does it really mean? Well, it means I'm a freak and I don't fit in and I'm not part of the cool kids and I'm not <laughs> okay <laughs> and I'm too different. And yeah, that we put it on our body and we put it on that word fat and we put it on negative, something negative about ourselves instead of, I am having a big feeling that I don't feel seen or heard or that I fit in. Then that's all. We don't have to put it on ourselves or on our bodies. We just can say, this is a feeling I'm having and I wonder what I can do about that or how can I navigate that or how can I just feel that? So beautiful that you were already doing that. What that leads me to is really the exploration of self-acceptance, acceptance, and then what I've done in my practice is we don't focus on that as much as allowing but I've kind of played with shifting the energy of it, the idea of acceptance to allowing. It's a beautiful concept and action, right? To self-accept, to yes. accept with acceptance. But sometimes it feels a little finite, like you're throwing in the towel. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm not going to try anymore yeah. to be different or better. Yeah, yeah this can't change. I accept it, and it's kind of like, check, you know, people check it off a list. And I think I've seen over the years that also with the 12-step program, which is so wonderful and helpful, that sometimes that acceptance, again, it's like a check mark. It gets crossed off a list, and then it feels, for some people anyway, I'm not putting it on the program. I'm just saying that idea I have found when I use the word self-allowing, that phrase, or is there room to allow this, that it just feels a little bit more free-flowing and there's more permission for it to change. And that also, I think, it's like a, a sigh of relief that, all right, this might be with me my entire life. 
but it's going to morph and change and shift as I do. Right. Because we're always going to have emotions. So Always. And it's not, I'm talking to a color therapist, it's not black and white. Like I'm (laughs) only going to feel this way. And so I can't also feel this way because that's a complete opposite. But we can feel every way. All the ways. It doesn't mean if I accept where I am right now that I can't go to school and learn something. <laughs> it just means that, that I'm okay with where I am standing right this moment. Everything's going to shift and change. I'm going to get older. Yeah, it doesn't stay the same. That's usually what causes the problem is that when we want it to be exactly the same all the time, and again, black and white thinking. Yeah, and that leads me into pink thinking. Yeah. Pink comes from red. It's great when I teach color therapy and people can have a greater sense of here is this vibrant, bright red energy, which has a completely different effect on us. It's very stimulating and very activating and We add white to it, and it it changes its expression completely into the soft, allowing, compassionate, gentle, loving energy. And so it's kind of a fun example of how, you know, emotionally you can have one foundation and, right, we, we know this just from living life, and one little thing can happen and it completely changes on a dime also important it's kind of great way to explore and see you can actually see it when you look at the color gradations that wow this is coming from that so that means this is part of that that i can be more energetic i can be more fully expressed and present in my life and active in who i am if i'm compassionate and gentle and loving so i'm glad you said not all black and white. So I'm wondering if there's anything that you would like to put out in the world and uh, say before we end our program. Well, I would just like to offer the gift of a short practice. And it's easy to practice, to close your eyes and to imagine you're breathing in pink light and imagining as you exhale that pink light is cascading from your shoulders, down your arms, all the way down into your hands. And then just visualizing a version of you out in front of you, about an arm's length away. And taking your arms and your hands and just hugging that version of you in front of you. Just stroking your hands on the back body, offering the support of this pink light you've just given yourself. Wow. What a beautiful visualization, you hugging yourself and surrounding yourself with pink light. It's gorgeous. We forget to hug ourselves. (laughs) And during the pandemic, this is really the most safest person we can hug (laughs) ourselves. Yeah. Trees and the south. Yeah. And your dog or kitty, I think. (laughs) Your horse. So would you read the bottom of the card that today I will practice? Today, I will practice meeting each part of myself with compassion. When I feel critical of myself or others, I will consciously choose again 
to see the situation through the eyes of loving compassion. Oh, isn't that a sweet thing to tell ourselves? So lovely. Yeah. I so very much appreciate you being on the show today and giving us your strength and hope. And uh, it's just been wonderful. And um, what is your website again? So we can put that out again, and then we will also put it on all our material that we send out. Sure. It's ConsciousColors.com. And if you know how to spell conscious, then I know you are conscious. (laughs) (laughs) That is is a little test, isn't it? (laughs) I know it is. It is. Good thing we all have spell check. Thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Love the work. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.